0: Welcome into episode 315 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic today, and I think we're all uh, doing much
1: better after seeing a win and seeing a low number on the opponent's side of the scoreboard. and. Just a win at Rep Arena, Jack. It, it kind of feels good to, to wake up this morning and, and be able to talk about some positive stuff because it, it's been a bit.
0: Second lowest point total for Ole Miss all season long, 37.5% shooting overall, 22.7% from three. Defensive juggernauts, look at us. Like, How about that? The one thing that we had been complaining about, basically from the start of the season, uh, finally, just finally putting things together on that end and uh it wasn't fluky sean like it wasn't just Ole miss missing a bunch of shots i thought the fight and the digging and the 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 tenacity was something that we really haven't seen much of out of this group uh this season so a lot of positive you know not a ton to take away offensively you know Five different guys, in, or four different guys, in double figures. Antonio Rees leads the way with you know fifteen. Reed Shepard with thirteen. Justin Edwards with twelve. You know that might be the biggest offensive takeaway. Uh, and Rob Dillingham with with ten. But uh, you know, really, not going to spend a whole lot of time on what we saw offensively because I don't think any of that really matters at this point uh, in the season, Sean. Everything moving forward is going to be how this team grows defensively uh, and and whether or not they can become the Again, don't have to be terrible or don't have to be great; just have to be enough. On that end, we got plenty of that against Ole Miss on Tuesday night. Yeah,
1: that that's the big thing, right? Is uh, we we keep talking, and I've talked all season that it's you have to cut this thing up in segments and kind of view this season maybe in thirds or maybe even in, in quarters, according to what you're how you're wanting to view it. But you want to see some growth, especially mid February on not just in all areas, but specifically the defensive end of the floor and on the glass, Jack. And, and I think that last night was a step in the right direction. And if this team can just continue to just take small baby steps towards what they want to be when it's time, then I think they'll put themselves in a position to, you know, make some noise and, and go on a run in the NCAA tournament. But just getting a win last night was obviously goal number one, given the stretch that they'd had. And then what comes next so I thought that was obviously the biggest takeaway. But then seeing the commitment to the end of the floor and at least seeing some strides there. They had a couple of breakdowns early in the game, some some crazy stuff where they're just not paying attention. But I thought overall it was a really good way to bounce back. Ole Miss goes on a run early in the second half. Kentucky's able to kind of, you know, stand that one and, and come back and go on a run of its own and then start getting some stops. And I just thought it was a, not just a feel-good win, but maybe like one that everybody just kind of needed when it comes to the defensive side and, and everything else. And just a, what felt like a complete win for this team, honestly.
0: So Kentucky gets down 15, nine, six minutes in, um, and it, you know, it's the same kind of conversation that we've been having another slow start. Why all the talk about going in, you know, I'd heard that Cal was going to shorten the rotation that he had put an emphasis on going small ball, Moving forward and basically saying, I don't, you know, sorry if you're heartbroken about this. I understand that your role may have been something more expanded than it was before this, but we can't just play politics anymore. We have to play the best guys out there. Uh, So there was kind of a lot of internal optimism going in, like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna see the best eight. And Aaron Bradshaw was going to be the the nine as kind of that alternate. We'll see what happens, um, you know, as the momentum of the game went on. But with Trey Mitchell back, I think it was my understanding that Cal was ready to, you know, cut that thing down. And you saw that for the first 12-ish minutes where you got no A-B minutes. uh, And he was kind of sticking, you know, and it was kind of interesting. I was watching Cal coach from the bench and he turned to the bench very quickly and, Like he was going to go to Z, like he was going to go to AB. And he had to like catch himself and turn back around and go, nope, hold off, hold off. And was really trying to dig in with his philosophy of, we got to inch toward March. We got to play the eight best guys that are going to give us a chance to win these games. And that's exactly what he did. So they get down 15-9 early. You think, okay, well, this is stupid. Clearly this, this mindset was just a wash. And then they start digging just ever so slightly. Possession by possession, and they start putting together a twenty-five to six finish to close out the first half to take a fourteen-point lead uh, go, going into the break. So, for my money, Sean, I think those last ten minutes of the first half were the best defensive minutes we've seen from this team from all, all season long. Sean, so I, I thought they were tremendous uh, on that end, and, and really started putting together uh, you, you know strong possessions. And it was kind of fascinating talking to the players afterward. And Cal kind of admitted this at uh the podium. He said that there was a players' meeting this week where they kind of approached Cal and said, Hey, obviously we have our fundamental struggles on the in the half court. Why don't we try to minimize some of those by, by pressing? Like, let's try to dig get up. Let's be the aggressor here. Let's try to throw the first punch by guarding them 94 feet. And again, some early struggles we they they were going full court press from the opening tip but you could start to see them slowly as the first half progressed start to kind of find something there uh, and you know put together the best end of first half that we've seen in in I mean for my money I think all season I don't know but if you agree with me or not yeah uh, for sure And, and
1: like when when we're talking about taking strides defensively it has to start somewhere and I feel like th- this is a starting point. This is something that now you can build on and take it into Auburn this weekend and then try to, to, to keep carrying it on from there. Uh, but most of all, Jack, like when you, you look at the rotation thing and you look at the minutes played, I mean, you, you still Reed Shepard plays what most minutes at 32 was a ton yep. of minutes there. like that. That's, I think that's actually encouraging because I know a, a lot of people and stuff, you look at the, where they're going. I think, Reed is probably going to be one of the guys that plays the most minutes when it comes down to it, in March in the NCAA tournament. But just the things that Kentucky did last night—they did some things well that they hadn't been doing well, and a lot of that is is that run there that, that you're talking about and, and stuff. So I, I think that closing and kind of regrouping—you had the bad start to the second half. That's got to get fixed. You, you got to start games better. You got to start halves better. Like if you can clean up those two areas last night. This is a much easier win than what it looks like. So that, that's that got to get fixed. I don't, I don't know exactly if you're going to see the lineup changes and stuff out of the half, like whatever Cal goes with the start games. I don't know if you're going to see a different lineup start second half, but I do think that that's something that they have to get figured out here. And I think that's interesting that you said you're paying attention and he turns around and goes to put somebody in because he's got to break some habits here too. Cause that is a habit. That's a habit of falling in a pattern of like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach and go here. I'm gonna reach and go here. You gotta let them develop a rhythm. And I, I think last night there were some lineups that that were able to put somewhat of a rhythm together on both ends of the floor. It's just the attention to details early, Jack, that I, I'm afraid of when you get into that tournament, you cannot get down six, seven, eight points early. If you have a bad stretch there and then you have another bad one to start the second half, you're digging and digging and digging for the entire game. And that's tough.
0: So. A couple things have changed, obviously, with how the game unfolded, where Ugo goes nuclear seven blocks in the first half. I think that kind of played Cal's hand a little bit. Where are you going to take that guy off the floor where it's you know, he's not playing himself off the floor. The plan going in was we'll start with the traditional lineup, see how things go, and then our bulk go-to lineup is going to be Trey at the five and that kind of that Toronto lineup. We'll go a do at the four and we'll go three guards, switch out a with Justin or, or however they need to do it. But it was going to be a small ball lineup that again, maximizes that versatility, maximizes that true five out, you know, all in on the offense. But then when Ugo does what he does, it goes, okay, well let's, let's keep riding this wave. Kind of the argument against, you know, the last game. Why did, why did we only see four minutes from, from Rob Billingham? Well, in, in the second half, well, it was because there was so much to like and they dug themselves out of that hole in the second half. You're not going to just kind of mess that up when you're trying to win the game. So yeah, it's that in-game in dynamic where even if the philosophy going in was what it was, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to execute the way uh, depending on how the game unfolds. Then to open the second half, Trey Mitchell goes down with yet another injury, the shoulder issue, which kind of – um swings the minutes for Aaron Bradshaw in a way that I don't think was in, you know, in, intended. He was not supposed to get 13 minutes, but to his credit, he goes out there, plays his butt off, and I think puts together some of his best minutes of the game just in terms of it, tenacity and intensity and in bringing it. Uh, it was exactly, I think, the role that he, until we have a breakthrough or until we see what happens with Z, I think this needs to be the core group. I love the eight, and I love if if AB is going to be your nine, he needs to play the way he did and carve out his own role. If that's how it's going to be, give, like we saw with Ugo, give Cal a reason to keep you on the floor, and that's exactly what happened in the second half. He played really, really good basketball, but uh, Ugo playing yet another really, really solid all-around game, breaking the ruppery or tying the rupper in a re- record with David Robinson. I mean, that's that's pretty, pretty amazing, ten, 10 blocks in a single game. And and we've been talking about needing to see consistency at that spot, right? When it comes
1: to wh- whichever combination of the bigs gets minutes, but you you know you're right. You're talking about you know shrinking this rotation. That's something that you and I've been talking about for weeks now. That was going to come, and it looks like af- after you lose a couple of games in a row at home, you kind of get to a point where you got to make some tough decisions. But I was with you when I was talking uh, when you were talking rotation. I was trying to get to that with you know Trey going out. It definitely dictated some minutes elsewhere that that had to be played. But you had balance across the box score last night in a lot of areas. Like you had balance in minutes. You had uh, five guys play more than twenty. You had Reed Shepard get to thirty-two. Rob's sitting there right, just shy of, of twenty minutes. So Bradshaw gets to thirteen. Like you, you see balance there. You see balance in assist. You see balance in rebounds. How about Antonio Reeves with seven rebounds? You got guys with five. You got guys with four. You got guys with six. Like that. That's the balance that we're talking about with this team even in balanced scoring, and you've got to have that balance. And if you get that balance from a seven, eight, nine-man rotation, mainly probably going to be eight. I don't think it's really going to stretch the nine that much when you go down the stretch run of the season here and into postseason play. There are a couple of things, though. Turnovers last night, kind of a out-of-character thing for this team, that you score more points and you win by more if you just take care of the basketball at the clip that they typically do. Still getting the double-digit offensive rebounds, I think that's still an area that I'd like to see be, be down in the single digits. I, I don't want to see them be giving up 10, 14, 15 offensive rebounds to teams. Ole Miss does take 10 more shots, Jack. So they needed the stops defensively last night. If this had been another game where they're just breaking down and breaking down, Kentucky would have lost it because it didn't get the number of possessions and the points that it, t- that it had been getting in recent games. So that's probably encouraging to me is that they played a team that did get 64 shots up on the rim to your 54 – and you still held them to 63 points. I think that is a step in the right direction and a positive place to look.
0: Yeah, so what what do you think of, uh, We we touched on it to open the show, but the fact that we did get a players meeting to kind of set the tone where Cal said, some of my best teams in the past, back in Memphis, UMass days, we press the first five, four or five minutes of the game, just to, and again, not to just wreak havoc, not to just force a bunch of turnovers, but to set the tone of we're here, we're we're co- going to guard you ninety-four feet, and not give you. And I, I, I like the way Reed phrased it: we're not going to just give you thirty seconds to get into your stuff, force you to make you know get make them uncomfortable for the first. 15, 16 seconds of the set and then kind of make them scramble late to execute. That might be the recipe where it might lead to some stupid transition opportunities that we hadn't been seeing a whole ton of before, but it's going to lead to probably just a fewer wide open, you know, wide open half court execution sets. Like, I think that could be an answer. Again, it doesn't have to be a whole 40 minutes of it, just kind of hitting singles with it. And it, it gets you moving too
1: early, but, but when you're talking like, what has been the thing that we've talked about with this team? It was Tennessee game. It was they'll defend, they'll defend, they'll defend, and they're defending well, and then late in the clock they give up a basket. You know, some similar stuff against Gonzaga. If you can eat up some of that possession and eat up some of that time and not have a breakdown, now you're having to lock and defend maybe 16, 17 seconds in the half court and not – 25 to 26. So maybe you eliminate some of those breakdowns late. If you're for, if you're making teams uncomfortable getting into their sets and into their offense and making them having to work for it. So I I really like the move there and the adjustment. Now me as a coach, I've not really relied on pressure in my career as a head coach. Like I'll mix it up and I'll do some stuff off made free throws and situations and out of dead balls. But what I've transitioned to doing in recent weeks is i getting some pressure the first couple minutes of the game just to get our ourselves moving, just to try to get maybe, an, maybe we get an easy layup or something out just to kind of kickstart it. That's why I like it. And I think that Kentucky can kind of benefit from some similar things, just getting everybody up and down and getting the game active early and kind of getting some of those nerves out, just play. So I think that's a good adjustment, especially
0: early in games, maybe early in halves too. It, and tell me that didn't impact the way Justin Edwards played. Like, I thought he played his best first half, especially, you know, and I still think overall he didn't do much in the second half, but still overall big picture. I thought it was one of the best games that he's had that wasn't just kind of gimme layups. I know he had the the putback on the, the air ball, but big picture, I thought he played tremendous. And I think it was because he was so active defensively. And, and he did kind of, like you said, he was moving. He just kind of had... It, somebody pointed out like he was sweating for the first time that they'd seen him play. And I know it sounds dumb and it sounds super surface level, but there is something to be said about, all right, I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm not nervous. I'm playing ready to throw the first punch, not sitting back. Okay. Well, when am I going to take that first punch? That It's, it, it's an accountability thing that I think we saw from this group that for them to recognize that for them to, as a as the players to be able to go to cal and say hey we're clearly struggling in this area clearly we have a lot of work to do we can't just keep taking these losses these 95 to 92 losses we have to figure out how to string together stops some way can we at least try this i think we have the the personnel to do this we have the horses if we're going to be in track track meets let's you know let's let's win real track meets by Guard 94 feet, and and so it was just a cool accountability thing for them to, even if it's not the perfect recipe for a 40 minute stretch, but for them to acknowledge that, hey, we got to make some steps forward. We have to make progress somewhere. This is at least a place to start, and it and it worked. They're they're not going to hold teams to you know 63 points and 37 percent shooting for the rest of the season, but that's what we're talking about when cal says we just need to get 10% better defensively because everything else will kind of sort itself out that's exactly what we're talking about they get, they got 10% better uh, on tuesday
1: yeah and and you're right about you know players talking and coming together and and sitting and sitting in together and making a decision as a team that is to me maturity and that's a step in the right direction too both on and off the court because great teams talk and great teams talk on the court they talk off the court and they, they make decisions. And as a coach, if you collectively have a group coming to you or and even saying something, speaking up in meetings, speaking up in practices, you listen. Those are the guys that are going through the fire in the moment and on the floor. As coaches, we can sit here and think, OK, this is what we're best at or this is what we need to do. But it shows trust. If you believe and say, "Okay, this is what you want," let's give this a shot. And I really hope you're right, because that's what everybody. Look, it's all on the same page. And if that if that gets Kentucky going, then that gets Kentucky going. And I think it's worth taking a chance. And you know, credit to Cal, credit to the staff for you know letting those players have a voice and and a say in, in what goes on and some some decisions that are being made. Because those are the guys that are going through it every single night. Those are the guys losing basketball games. Like they're the ones that are out there that can dictate change results and stuff. And if that's what it takes, Jack, that's what it takes. But I, I like it because it gets you started, but it also instantly applies some pressure to the other team as well and gets them moving. Now some teams like the up tempo early that may feed into some teams, but at least you're not falling asleep in the first few minutes. You may make a mistake or two And Kentucky had a couple, but at least you're getting moving and kind of dictating a pace and a flow of, of getting some blood flow. And I thought that was probably a, a really encouraging thing to see. And I, you'll probably see it moving forward.
0: I love that. It was one of five wrinkles that were talked about going in Like you Cal never showed panic with this in, in the three game losing streak at home. And always said we're built for March. We're, you know, we're, we're not hitting the panic button. I believe in this team, like saying all the right things publicly, but there is a clear acknowledgement of what's going on right now is clearly not working. We have to adapt. We have to not waste this talent. Clearly this, the, there are the dudes on this team to win a national championship. We can't just throw that in the garbage because the defense is so terrible. We have to make the most out of this roster because I think there is that level of pressure of we gotta figure this thing out. You don't want to make this be the roster that everybody talks about forever. the the how in the world did they have this many pieces and not make a run? how How do we like if they couldn't get to that point? So for them to not just pressing, but also going into the game, Cal saying, We have installed a two-three zone. We're ready in case we need to. It obviously didn't need to come up against Ole Miss, but we saw it two-three games ago uh, in baseline out of bounds. That was an adjustment. That was something that they needed to take steps forward with, and they and they did that for them to acknowledge the you know we can't just have these seven footers get just you know pushed bulldozed into the stanchion every single paint touch and have it be a, a layup line like we we have to take steps forward with that and cal looks at that and recognize and says it's time to cut the rotation we're going eight i'll give the ninth a chance and we'll see how that goes and that'll determine if it's an eight if it's a true eight or nine man rotation and even to take it a step forward acknowledging and understanding that the best version of this team was the five, you know, the true five out with, with Trey at the five, him also acknowledging that and saying, we will go small. That's going to be our core as our break in case of emergency roster. So that's like four or five different wrinkles that Cal showed just going into this game in particular saying, we're going to do whatever it takes to start winning, you know, winning these games. We're not just going to watch things implode every single game without a without a clear answer we have we're, we're, we're going to have the wrinkles in place just in case uh to, to do whatever it takes to win these games and that's I mean that's growth I mean not sure we could have said that about him a month ago
1: no you, you couldn't have and, and it is growth and, and you don't want to waste the offense that you have and sure you know they score 75 points they they leave a lot on the table and turnovers definitely impacted that I mean look at the points that Ole Miss got off Kentucky's turnovers Like, you know, what does this game look like defensively if you don't turn it over the number of times that you did and kind of give some opportunities there Then you know, some offensive rebounds and second chance points and things like that. But when you look at it overall, though, like there's still a couple of things that have to play out. And I do think that it's worth noting that that was Kentucky's first game at full strength Mm -hmm. where it had everyone available. And I, I think that's. We, you know, we've not made excuses for this team. We've talked that there was still no reason to lose the, the games at home that you lost. There's still no reason to lose to UNC Wilmington. There's no excuse. Like, you have enough talent. We've seen this talent. But I do think that maybe just cohesiveness and maybe for John Calipari, kind of where he wants to go when he has all the options, that he's not kind of just forced to have to play somebody. It's like, all right, this is what I've got. Let's go here. Now, it's going to be interesting to watch as Trey – hopefully Trey gets healthy – that you kind of – maybe settle in and and see, do we get some more small ball five looks? What is the rotation look like when everybody's a hundred percent, you know, and, and, and back and, and ready to roll. And and you have a couple of games under your belt. Do you still see Bradshaw playing double digit minutes? Is, is Ugo still getting 20 plus like those things I'm still looking for, but Ugo does Ugo does something that Cal absolutely loves and that's block shots and adds rim protection I think that not necessarily that Cal favors him, but he does the one thing well that John Calipari continues to say and has always said, my best teams have what? Shot blocking. And I think Cal is maybe willing to give up some other things to to get that, but they do need somebody to kind of just put a hold on that spot and kind of to emerge. They don't have to be dominant. He's not going to block 10 shots every game, but they just need somebody in that role that cannot be pushed around, that isn't a liability every single trip down the floor defensively and in a pick-and-roll. Like, you've got to add value to being able to play those minutes, and I thought last night he did. And, you know, Bradshaw comes in and does some nice things as well. Like, finding a balance there and then sticking with it and getting some consistency – it's probably the most important thing about Kentucky moving forward is what happens out in the interior and kind of who is the combination of what works and what's working best for the team. I think that's probably the biggest storyline entering the stretch run.
0: Yeah. So Justin Edwards is a guy that I, I wanna I want to kind of dig in on, on a little bit because he always he does kind of feel like an X Factor of sorts where he is the one guy that can kind of when when can when he is at his best, you know everything else is going to work well around him. But when he's a zero, that's where you start going. Man, these are a lot of empty calorie minutes. That who you know? Do we have to go to a do? Do we have to go three guards? Do we have, like what is the the answer there? So for him to step up the way he did in the first half and kind of set the tone early. I mean, he scored the first six points of the game, and it were I mean they were like, whoa, boy points. I mean, the, he, the way he was scoring and getting after it and, you know, knocking down that he loves that couple dribble pull up, you know, mid-range. mid, mid range. He's obsessed with that and, that, you know, that's his bread and butter. But it's also been like, hey, we got to work with, you know, the hands finishing around the basket, being able to play through contact and he finished an and one, you know, layup and transition. And it's just like, okay, if we can get him going, what does it mean for the rest of the team around him? So I would have loved to have seen, more from him in the second half. We can't just have strong starts and then disappearing down the stretch of eight minutes, one point, one assist, one foul, and that's it. And in, in the second half, like you, if you're going to be that dude, do it. Put it together for a true, true two halves. Like, will like put together a complete game. We got spurts of that, obviously at Vanderbilt, and obviously the competition impacts that, but. This was one where I was—I you know, thought he played his most complete half as a wildcat uh, against real competition uh, in in the first half, and then dis- disappeared. That's something I'm keeping an eye on as well. Going down to Auburn, that's going to be a tough matchup for him. I'm I'm wanting to see his true break. We got it. Mini breakthrough against Vanderbilt because of the competition, but I want to see that true forty-minute play of like, whoa, there's the Justin Edwards we've been waiting for. We got it for twenty minutes. I was waiting for the for the uh, the second twenty. Hopefully, we get that down in, in in Auburn.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be made shots, right? Like it can be a combination of things. It can be hitting the glass. It can be getting some stops defensively, getting active in passing lanes. You know, just just making plays for your team that adds to winning. Winning plays. And for him early last night, and he showed some emotion, too. Like, he, he had the spin move in, in the finish, and he showed some emotion. Like, you can tell. To me, Justin does not lack confidence when I look at Justin. Like, when I've watched him play in recent weeks, he, he takes shots. He I mean, he did the two small. I think it was the Tennessee game, maybe. So, things like that. Like, clearly, he still has confidence in himself, which I think is a, a really positive thing. And, you know, credit to the staff or whatever for making sure that he's staying in in a positive frame of mind here through all the struggles to prepare himself for not just the breakthrough that you mentioned at Vandy, but one that's more consistent, that is that's building on each breakthrough. You know, you have many breakthroughs and then you just continue taking them into positive games and stuff. So I am paying attention to him, Jack, because he hasn't been what we all thought he was going to be. And this is where expectations can really hurt you. Because if you, if you don't live up to them, everybody, like Cal says it all the time, everybody's on a different you know, time frame here. Everybody's on a, on a different timeline when it comes to their development. If he starts to break through down the stretch, it certainly takes this team to another level, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Because when you're talking frame and the way he looks, he has the frame to me to be a good defender and to be one of Kentucky's best perimeter players that guards some difficult matchups if he can settle in and, and find it. I've mentioned do being that guy, too. Like, you, you need multiple guys that can defend some long athletic wings in college basketball, especially in that tournament where it's win or go home. Keeping Justin, Justin in a positive frame of mind, Jack, I, I think at least sets him up to have some success. And, and maybe that breakthrough comes in Nashville at the SEC tournament. Maybe it comes through in a second-round do-or-die game in the NCAA tournament,
0: kind of like it did for Hamadou Diallo. I, that was the, that was going to be the exact comparison that I thought of because it does does it not feel almost identical to the trajectory of Hami, where it's like Cal is not going to give up on this kid because he it's it's clear we've seen the little individual flashes where it's like he's got it. Why can we just not see it in sustained stretches, uh, you know, prolonged stretches? And and we got that moment with Hami, and it does kind of you know we we got it at Vandy, but it's different. Like it's just something different that we'll all know when that moment comes for him. And we, he was trending toward that in the first half, but it is like, it does really feel like we're just recreating the Hami situation with the hype and all the expectations, the highlights. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this kid's just this transcendent, you know, ridiculous home run and just not being able to put it together. What's that disconnect there? Uh, I, I hope that we have that kind of finish that Hami did. Obviously, the season didn't end the way it did, but he kind of was playing his best basketball by uh, the end of the year. Obviously, he had his breakout against Buffalo and all that. But uh, I'm I'm rooting for him, and and I he I'm glad that we're at least getting stuff. We're seeing the ah, there it is moments out of him that show that he's got it, and I think that's why Cal's continuing to play him as many minutes as as he is. Um, and I think it is kind of fascinating, Sean, that it was kind of a reverse of what we saw against Gonzaga where it was Rob Dillingham playing out of, you know, playing really, really well, or Justin Edwards playing well in the first half of this one, Rob Dillingham going nuclear in the second half of this one where Rob would played four minutes in, uh, against Gonzaga. And that was kind of a big storyline afterward. Uh, Rob kind of saved the day down the stretch, where that you had already had the lead, but kind of held things, uh, held things strong. Eight points, three of six shooting, two of three from three. Uh, after a terrible start with a bunch of bad turnovers that really limited this team from kind of taking off early, uh, and then four, four assists, three rebounds, zero turnovers after the break. Uh, I, I thought Rob was terrific and uh, just kind of a testament to again. That's why Cal continues to give these guys shots and and believing in them to not just throw them away after a bad initial stretch or, you know, kind of ride them out a little bit in the second half after, a you know, hot start.
1: Yeah, this backcourt of DJ, Rob, Reed, and Antonio struggles are short-lived. And that's probably the way that you have to kind of, you know, look at it from a, from a coaching perspective. And just from a fan, fan perspective is Rob could struggle for a half, but then absolutely explode the next. Reed can have two or three possessions where he breaks down, but then he's going to do something probably immediately following the breakdown. And then he may follow that up with something even better than what he just did. Like it's just the the ability to bounce back in the backcourt is what gives me confidence in this team winning games in the NCAA tournament, even though that they've struggled. Now you mentioned Justin and you mentioned Vandy. It was the same thing with beating Vandy, right? Like it was a feel good win. It was a, a win that gets you at least back in the win column following a couple of losses, but it doesn't really make you believe anything different about the team moving forward. Is this game kind of the same way? Because you still want to see them go beat an Auburn. You still want to go see them beat a Tennessee or beat Mississippi State on the road or something like that. That's why we're talking about Justin's breakthrough that it just happened against Vandy. Now we need to see it be built upon some better teams and things, but it's a, it was still a step in the right direction a week ago. I thought the first half last night was another step in the right direction. And when we're talking about final breakthroughs, Jack, in the NCAA tournament, it may just be one game. It might not be three or four games in the NCAA tournament. It might just be that one game where Justin breaks through and is the ultimate difference maker in whether Kentucky advances or they go home. Hami was kind of that guy. And obviously, Shea Alexander played out of his mind too. But Hami had an unbelievable game against Buffalo in the NCAA tournament that propelled Kentucky into the Sweet 16 around that not many people that year thought Kentucky was going to get to, especially when they saw the tournament draw. So what is that similar thing happen with this team? But the difference is to me, Kentucky still has enough when it comes to backcourt this year that they can beat. I still think this team can beat anyone in college basketball. I think it can outscore anyone in college basketball. The question remains, does it grab enough rebounds and make enough toughness plays and stops when it's necessary to overcome some of the deficiencies and the flaws that they do have. Because I still think this will be a flawed team entering the NCAA tournament, like most teams are. They enter that tournament. They have a flaw somewhere. It's just, will Kentucky's be fatal? And you hope it's not. And I think that what you saw last night was at least a step in the right direction of not letting that happen.
0: And Cal talked about that. He explained the Built for March conversation where he said – if you're a team that lives and dies by that 63, 65, 62 point margin, where you're, you're, you're basically trying to scrape together defensive stops the, you know, the entire, you're not relying on your offense to kind of carry you. It's just defense, you know, grind it out defense after defense, after defense. Uh, Those are the teams that get burned. Like you, that's just not sustainable. You have to have a bunch of dudes that can just take off. And he was like, you know, a Carson Edwards, uh, think of the, the, the big time moments in March of the, you know, the Kemba Walkers, obviously the Shabazz Napiers, those guys that have just kind of used that moment to go boom. Like Rob's obviously that guy, but it, would it really shock you if DJ Wagner was a guy that kind of had the snarl on his look with two minutes left and won you a game, you know, went and kind of dug his heels in and said, all right, I'm, I'm going to go kick your butt. Like, that's a DJ Wagner thing. And is it really out of the realm of possibility to say that Justin Edwards doesn't have that homie moment? Like he's a guy that he's probably fifth or sixth on the list of guys that you go, ah, you know, obviously Antonio Reese, obviously Reed Shepard, those guys we've seen the, con- you know, continued product with that. But for Justin even to be a guy that is your fifth, most likely to explode in any March game, like, think of what that means, big picture, of how good you can be. And that's I think that's where the confidence comes from. He's like, you can afford a 63-point game in one game. Like, I think, what was it? The Was it the Houston game, the, the Tyler Hero year that was super low scoring, that Tyler had to have a, a clutch shot at the end? Very similar situation where that team, for the most part, kind of lived in the 70s and, and 80s and had their first kind of mm, – that type of moment, they can afford that. But that also means they have to have a a defensive effort like this. They have to be able to kind of dig their heels in there. But when you have so many different offensive weapons, and if Justin can be your fifth or shoot Trey as your fifth and Justin is your sixth, however it needs to go. I mean, that's the recipe for March. That's why that's that, that's that 10% conversation. They got 10% better against Ole Miss. In fact, I think it was 18% because they jumped, 22 spots in the Ken Palm defensive efficiency and it ended up the math ended up working out to 18% exactly. So we needed, we needed 10, got 18 shot. Yeah. Yeah, you
1: did. And, uh, but, but now like when, when you just look at the way that this team is built and I've, I've said it, I may have said it maybe three or four weeks ago and it's before the losing streak. I said, you, you want to see this team win games in different ways. You don't want to see them win, win it in one way. Like, early on in the season, it was outscore, 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 outscore. The defense isn't an issue. The defense isn't an issue because you'll just outscore people. But then the defense became so bad that it, it didn't care. I mean, it, it didn't matter how good the offense was. The defense became an issue because it was historically bad, especially for Kentucky and John Calipari. Last night was significantly better than what we'd seen. So – to me, you you had a game at Arkansas here a few weeks ago to where your offense was not good for a stretch. I mean, first half was the worst, like it was terrible to watch offensively. Then you figure it out and kind of get you execute, you you make some shots, you get what you want offensively in the closing stretch, but you did enough and it was kind of a grinded out game that was ugly. And then you've have seen this team outscore people. And just beat them out scoring them. And now last night you saw them turn it over. Still giving up some offensive rebounds. Team takes 10 more shots, but you find a way to win by double digits. So you're seeing them start to put together some wins in different ways. But at some point in the next few weeks, you want to see this team really beat somebody good. And I'm talking go score 85 plus on somebody, but also lock in and just beat somebody good by about 15 to 20. Do you get that in the regular season? Is it Alabama at Rupp? Is it on the road to Mississippi State? Is it in the road on the road to Knoxville? Is it on the road in Auburn this weekend? A team that, you know, just got absolutely blown off the floor by Florida over the weekend. Like we we see that it can happen to them. Does it happen in Nashville at the SEC tournament? But Kentucky's going to put it together, even if it's just for one game on both ends of the floor, that's going to give everybody hope of what it can look like. And it's just what do they take out of it? But you have to see it, though. You want to see them win some games in different ways, Jack, and I think you're actually seeing it. And I'm I'm still hopeful that this team has a run in them. I, I believe you're going to see their best basketball collectively at some point in the, in the closing stretch here. But it, right now it's the 10% that you're talking about. And it, it's 10% and it comes in different ways. Like that percentage is is, is fed and, and, and kind of figured out from different areas of the game to make up that 10%. But you want to continue getting 10%. You want to add a little bit here. You want to add a little bit there. And then by the time you take the floor after selection Sunday, you want to kind of know who you are. And one, that you can win games in different ways, but you also know that you're the best version of yourself on, in all areas. And I think that this team still has a chance to get there. And now that it's healthy – Hopefully, hopefully, but you, you finally get it. And then you lose it again. Like that's, that is frustrating. And I do think that the inconsistency of lineups and people available, I think it not, it doesn't just hurt the team. I really think it hurts Cal because he's not really had an opportunity to kind of just settle in and say, I'm going here tonight. And I'm going here the next game credit to him for at least trying to figure it out this week. And we'll see what happens with Trey, obviously. And, and where they go rotation wise, but when you're trying to settle in on a rotation, these are the road, the the, the speed bumps and the roadblocks that that hit you that really are disruptive. And Kentucky's had it all year.
0: Yeah, and go figure, Chris Beard after after the game. Obviously, we know their history together at at, at Texas, and you know goes to the podium and says, "I think he's one of the best players in college basketball." Right after he goes down with the shoulder injury, and we are understanding the value that he brings to the table and how crucial he is to this team's run and we lose him again, we'll see for how long. And then kind of, it's hey. like pour, It's like pouring salt in the wound. It's like, come on, man. Like, yeah, we, we understand how freaking good he is. Now he, we he may be out again. We had a game last night, so I didn't get to watch live
1: the first half. But I've, I've gone back and obviously watched the full game, as I always do. But I literally walk in my house and turn it on. And the first thing I see <laughs> is, and I said, you have got to be kidding me. Like, there is no way that that's the first thing that I walk in my house to and turn my TV on is Trey Mitchell holding his shoulder, walking off to the bench. And I'm like, this, they just can't catch a break. And, and I do think that we maybe overlook it a little too much of, of just how disruptive it can be when you just take one guy out of the mix. And this is coming back and, and giving the staff a little bit of grace here because it's been somebody every game. It's, it was a do right when they started clicking in late December. And then you go and you lose DJ and then you get Rob and Justin out at a game or so. And I know we've talked about Justin playing less, but still it's, it's a body that you're used to running in the rotation. And now you're having to give those minutes somewhere else when maybe it might be better for some guys to play more minutes, but it, it forces your hand to do it sometimes. And I think it's difficult to find a rhythm as a coach. So Getting healthy to me is is priority one. Staying healthy and then finding what the rotation looks like when when you have all your guys available. And I thought I saw a commitment to finding it last night. And that's a massive step in the right direction for this team and for John Calipari with this group too. And, and I, I thought the bench was active. I thought the assistants were active. And, uh, no, I, I think it was a great thing. Like, there's pressure right now. There's a lot of pressure entering Saturday because I think if you go out down there and you compete well against Auburn, I think a lot of people are back on board of what this team could do in the NCAA tournament, and they're going to have to do that, Jack, against one of these good teams to me to get everybody fully on board in believing that this team can make a run in March. You can't just beat up on the, the bad teams. you, you got to beat somebody good down the stretch, and Kentucky still has to do that, and I think they're going to. I think they're going to get someone in this stretch that maybe we don't expect them to get.
0: That clip is so funny. There's Daryl Isaac's, Joe Kraft and Vince Marrow all in the same frame with obviously Cal and the entire UK bench. It just cracks me up. That just the that angle is just hilarious with all the random different faces that we see. Uh, but we'll we'll right after this we'll talk obviously about what's next. Uh, just a, a crucial game down at Auburn. What it means, all that good stuff. But before that. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash pilgrim and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Uh, Sean, uh, tonight there are some some really important games that we need to be keeping a close eye on specifically for um, this weekend the big one South Carolina at Auburn does it shock you that FanDuel has Auburn as an 11 and a half point favorite of that one with the the way Lamont Paris' group has been playing and kind of emerging as a you know clear top 15 team nationally they're going into Auburn as double digit uh, underdogs Ooh, no, the, the way the way Lamont Paris
1: and the, the, the thing is with, with South Carolina, too, like they've had an edge about them that even with the record they have and the teams that they've beaten and where they stand, I still feel like that they still have to prove themselves to everyone. And that kind of feels like a line where you get a little bit you feel a little bit, disres- some disrespect, you know, from for Vegas setting those odds where they're at. And, and maybe some of it, too, is Auburn getting beat the way that they did. That everybody just expects Bruce Pearl and, and Auburn to bounce back. So no, that's uh, so, some interesting games coming up to in SEC play, and then uh, definitely interested to see what the line looks like on Kentucky Auburn this weekend for sure. But I got to ask you, did uh, how did Super Bowl Sunday turn out for you?
0: It was good, man. It, it was a a stressful like I mean I, I worked from basically nine a.m on Saturday morning, all the way through two ish AM, uh, following the loss to Gonzaga. And then, you know, trying to get as much sleep as possible. I had to wake up, called into radio. Uh, so I, and then obviously doing our show as well to kind of break things down. And obviously that was an emotional one. That was a passionate one. So I didn't even like start getting my feel for things and kind of on what was supposed to be, what is supposed to be my day off until like two, three o'clock. So then getting get to the Super Bowl, going hang out at Zach's house. And you know, they had a great housewarming uh thing for, for the night, some cool you know, friends coming over, cool little uh, you know, not a ton of people, but not like two or three people. It was just kind of that small, uh, intimate setting and you know, great game, obviously. And they ended up finishing strong. Little man was great all the way through, like the last up until like the last four minutes. It was like four hours of him being dead silent, just you know, taking it all in. So it was a blast. What would you end up doing for Super Bowl? I went to Savrin's house, but also
1: uh, had some success on (laughs) FanDuel. So that was because we we were talking uh, Chiefs Niners, and uh, I decided to ride with the Chiefs. And uh, I, I know we didn't, we've we've missed on some some parlays and stuff in recent weeks putting out, but with all these injuries. And stuff I just I was like ah. it's it's kind of we're kind of looking at some of these player props and stuff Jack like you know what's the minute distribution and stuff like and uh gonna put out some good stuff for Auburn though I, I'm gonna we're gonna dive into that and see what some of those player props and, and lines are I'm interested to see where Vegas puts this one on Saturday when it comes to and a, a lot of it could hinge on what happens tonight in that game that we just talked about
0: yeah, I'm pulling up right now what, what Ken Palm predicts the game to be or projects the game to be uh, on Saturday. I'm assuming they have that now. Uh, yeah, 86-77 loss, 20% chance for Kentucky to win. So they're projecting a nine-point – you know, Kentucky being a nine-point dog going down to Auburn. I think that's high. I mean, I get it. This team has its struggles. But, you know, FanDuel, th- those two usually kind of – you know, follow pretty closely. Ken Palm's pretty, you know, the analytics are pretty spot on. So um, I'm going to say four and a half Auburn. If you believe in the cats, this could be a really good fan duel opportunity for you. Let's just put it that way. And, and, you know, you wanted to see the way they responded uh, against Ole Miss and you start kind of just taking those baby steps forward. So if you are starting to buy back in, you're kind of buying on them low because the you know analytics and all that will reflect that where the defensive numbers are still 104 nationally or whatever so uh, there there can be some good value there we're going to keep a close, close eye on that very excited for that uh, again, I got to finish this first and foremost. 21 and older in present in Kentucky. First online, real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem called 1 800 Gambler. And while we are talking about all of our uh, our friends and partnerships, uh, how about our friends at game time? Obviously, that's been a blast and, and uh, hanging out with them and, and you know, getting, getting, getting some tickets done. Uh, with them this year has been a blast you shouldn't have to worry when you are buying tickets to your next big event now isn't the time for guest work with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and the best price guarantee game time does all of the hard work for you game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts it's the place to find last minute seats find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for fan duel basketball uh fun football basketball uh baseball concerts comedy theater and more game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Sean, I know you are in love with our friends at Game Time. Absolutely, uh, Kentucky may let you down at times, but Game Time will
1: not. So uh, <laughs> trust Game Time, and if you're listen, I Auburn is one of my favorite trips in the SEC. You and I have been to Auburn together. We've we've covered some some wild moments and stuff there. I, I was there the the year that Tower Hero and them won in the regular season. I actually. According to my Facebook memories, I believe it was six years ago today, I decided to drive all the way to Auburn and then drive back at midnight and got in at 6 30 in the morning. I don't recommend that. But what I'm recommending is to get on the Game Time app if you want to make that trip and you want to pull the cats through. That's a fun arena to watch a college basketball game. There's not a bad seat in it, and you can view, you can see your view from from all seats. So uh, if you're if thinking about making the trip to the plains, use Game Time to uh, get in the building because Kentucky's going to need all the help it can get.
0: Give me your you, what what do you think is the cheapest seat in the house right now for standing room only at Auburn? What what do you think that is with our Ooh. friends at game time? Man, I this is a bargain. This is a bargain. If you go to all the other ticket, you know, Ticketmaster and all that, or it, you you will see with the fees and all that stuff, Sky High. So this is this is the best value you'll be able to get. What do you think that price is? Standing room only is
1: actually right behind the media section because I remember having people basically right on my shoulder watching the stat broadcast. They're like checking stats. That's how close they were to me. So I'm going to say 470.
0: Almost nailed it, 431 right now. That's the value. I mean, that's how big this game is for them. That's that is the importance of this for them. That it's been sold out for a long time. I remember Bruce Pearl kind of started conference play by saying we're having our their live the you know cancer uh, awareness and raising money for for that by selling T-shirts. They chose that night specifically to piss Coach Cal off. I, I guess to not piss Coach Cal off because he knows that. Um, you know, Cal always loves his T-shirt nights and you know confetti nights and this and that. You know, he was like, "Well, if I didn't do it for Kentucky, obviously uh, Cal, Cal would have been, been on my butt about it." So he they specifically chose that to not piss Cal off, but it's for a reason. It's because that game is so huge, and the numbers are very clearly refre- reflecting that. Um, even if it is the, the cheapest that you will find uh, with our friends at Game Time, Shop.
1: Yeah, and uh, th- that that right there shows you that it doesn't matter where Kentucky's at in the polls, 22, number one, or what, like Auburn fans know that's a big game. And, and that, that is one of the loudest venues that you'll, you'll experience in the SEC because it's not big. Everybody's right on top of you. The student section wraps entirely around the court from behind basket to behind basket. Fun environment, great view, make the trip to the Plains, pull Kentucky through because, uh, boy, if you can go get a win there, Jack, in that environment, this weekend, you're really feeling good about where Kentucky may be trending, given what they had been doing a week ago and a few days ago.
0: Best bargain, best bang for your buck. Section uh, Section A, Row Five, fifty seven hundred dollars a ticket for their Super Bowl. Like we, the, these are. It sounds dumb because it's you know Super Bowl. Uh, the ticket prices for the Super Bowl were what they were, but. They make fun of it for it being the Super Bowl but look at these look at these prices like it's their Super Bowl financially like we can see with our own two eyes how much they value this game so uh man it's gonna be a blast make sure you use our friends at game time game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 of the difference take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code ksr for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code ksr for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed And um, just forget that I brought up a competitor's name and that. Just just act like that never happened. Uh, Anyway, Sean, what do you need to see from uh, the Cats down at at Auburn other than the obvious, a win? Because I know that was kind of our what do we need to see against Ole Miss on Tuesday was a win. But now that we feel a little bit better uh, about where things stand coming out of the Ole Miss game, what do you need to see specifically down at Auburn? Desperation. Desperation. You you gotta be the more desperate team in,
1: in this one because that environment is going to be overwhelming. It's gonna you're gonna be thrown into to something that I mean, I know they've been in some environments, but this one's gonna go up. It's gonna go up a notch when it comes to intensity. And I think Kentucky has to match it. You gotta stick together, but I wanna see some fight. Some fight and some desperation. And if you get fight and desperation, then you give yourself a chance and then it comes down to execution. If Kentucky can execute and match it with some fight, I think Kentucky has a chance to to leave Auburn with a win.
0: Auburn is scoring 82 points a game and giving up 67 a game, top 60 defensively, top 25 offensively. That's a that's a that's a recipe. The t- number 11 in scoring margin nationally. The metrics I mean, love. Like the, yeah. the metrics love Auburn, but you've also seen Auburn at times
1: not live up to the numbers, so it, this is kind of this is a week for them here coming up. Where I'm interested to see where they are on Sunday. We talk a lot about Kentucky and what they're what they are at the end of every week. I, I want to see what Auburn is on Sunday when we sit down and, and do a recap because that's that's going to be probably one of the bigger storylines. And look, this is an opportunity too. You're sitting on playing on Thursday. You're sitting right now playing on Thursday in the SEC tournament. If you want to change that. It starts one tonight, with you know the game against South Carolina. You don't know what happens there, but if you can just take care of business and get a win yourself, you at least bring back the conversation of getting the double buy and playing on Friday. So that that's also in play. That's been a long time. I, I don't. When is the last time? Was it that Kentucky played? Was it the COVID year? Did they play?
0: They, I, I don't remember what it was before it got canceled. No, the, the, the next year,
1: did, when they played Mississippi State. Did they play? It was Thursday that year, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So that's the only one that I, I – before that, I don't remember. Even the NIT team in 2013 lost on Friday night to Vandy. So, like, you got to dig probably to find it. The the team that 2014 that went to the title game, they started their run on Friday night. Like, so it's it's been a bit. Obviously, cool. that season was weird, but try to get out of Thursday, get to Friday, because uh, I want to see them make a run. I I think this year it's important to win the SEC tournament because it's something you haven't done in a while. And I'd, I'd like to see this team do it. But, uh, look, they're they're right there, four losses, them in Florida, Tennessee losing some games, Auburn with three. Like, what does this look like at the end of the week? Like, there, there's some shuffling going on here. You get Alabama at Rupp, South Carolina still in its position on a seven game is that is that accurate with everything like as of late? Yeah, Should be. Yeah. So I mean that's a that's a South Carolina team winning seven straight as a
0: dog, Jack. So uh, you tell me if they're being undervalued <laughs> and overlooked. I mean that that number kind of just blows my mind. i mean, being totally honest. I mean they, they they have not lost a game since January 16th, and that was a five point loss against Georgia. Like I mean they're they're rolling and. That eleven and a half with FanDuel—that's that's a—that's uh, that's something to keep a close eye on. But um, this what a huge game. What a, what a huge thing. We'll, we'll be down there. Uh, Steven and I leaves Friday morning to get down to Auburn because we're going to get down there early enough for, uh, game day Saturday morning. It's going to be the first two hour special of game day. So again, we talk about, Oh, this is, it's not a super bowl. These the, Kentucky just thinks too highly of themselves. Yeah. Okay. They're going literally pushing all their chips in on this game. So, uh more pressure on them than us right now. I will say. I think that's kind of something, an underrated thing that Auburn is kind of the the SEC darling right now. Teams are falling in love with them, as Sean said. The analytics back that up. So um, it'd be nice to go get a little road roadkill down down there, Sean. I think that's something that would, as you said, would be absolutely huge in this team's efforts to to get back to Friday on in SEC tournament and just keep just again baby steps, ten percent better. Uh, it's a lot of coach speak right now, but it's kind of where things stand. Big picture. Just, just gotta, just gotta get 10% better every time and, and get this thing right. Uh, We're inching closer, but still far away from what the end goal is going to be.
1: Yep. You'll uh, so you'll be at Auburn and I'll be at uh, Western Kentucky for, to watch them play New Mexico state on Saturday afternoon. I'll, I'll be on a, on a visit with one of our guys. So I'm going to be taking in a different college environment, but you best believe I'll be tuned in to Kentucky and Auburn and, and watching it multiple times, as I always do, Jack, and ready to talk about it and break it down. And uh, good opportunity. It's a good opportunity for Kentucky, and it's, it's an opportunity that you that you want to take advantage of.
0: Absolutely, we are excited for. It. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna be a fun weekend. Hopefully, we don't have uh, the same emotional Sunday that we did this past Sunday. I did not enjoy this last Sunday before Super Bowl. I, it was a very, very trying day for me. So let's let's right the ship. Let's get back to where we need to be and um, build build some momentum. I, I I feel it. I feel it in my gut. We got it. We got it coming. So Sean, this has been a blast, man. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody listening to this. If you're not on a date, if you're not at the movies, whatever, you're, or, or if you're watching a movie and have us in your earbud or whatever, I thank you. I know there's going to be some crazy one or two of you that are doing something ridiculous like that. When you're supposed to be with your significant other being bad, I, I, I've scold you, but I appreciate you. So uh, Sean, happy Valentine's day to uh, each and every one of our listeners. I know you appreciate them as well. Oh, 100%. Uh, definitely
1: enjoy all of our listeners and definitely thankful for them and uh, the way this show continues to grow. And let's see, uh, let's see where this, this ride takes us here in a few weeks. Happy
0: Valentine's day. Yep. Let's go on and get out of here. Sean, where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB country find me on twitter as well at jack pilgrim ksr uh, go subscribe to us on ksr plus if you're not subscribed here make sure you do that what are you waiting for keep commenting keep liking appreciate each and every one of you happy valentine's day we will see you on sunday okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club